Maybe you can think back uh, to a person that you've encountered in your life, and when you first meet them, you're like, oh, I don't know if I like this person. And then later on, you get to know them a little bit better, and they surprise you, and you actually like them. Maybe you even did that with the person you ended up marrying. Anybody? Um, <laughs> it's always amazing to me how many people fall for that. And raise your hand. Don't raise your hand on those when it's about this. Right? But you meet someone. I, I remember meeting my wife. I can tell you right where I was standing in, in the room in which we were in. And right when I met her, her smile um, and just her presence. And as I got to know her more and more, all of that proved right. And uh, she fell madly in love with me. And... And so we got married, um, right? You, you had that. Maybe you had that with colleagues. You meet somebody you begin working with for the very first time. And at first you're like, I don't know if I want to be able to work with this person. And then as you work with them, you get to know them and you're like, okay, this person has really surprised me. And, and it's neat to see how that happens throughout life. And, and you have that with people you work with. You have that with family members. You have that with especially the family that you marry into, um, and people can just surprise you. One of the people who surprises me the most in life, she's actually here. She knows I'm going to call her out. Uh, you hear stories about Gigi. Gigi's right over there. Raise your hand, Gigi. You can raise your hand. This is my 98-year-old grandmother-in-law. She'll be 99 in February. Um, no, 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 don't clap for her. She won't let me hear the end of that. So she came up. She's leaving right after service, go back to Kentucky. Amazing, amazing woman of God. And, and I'm so blessed to have her in my life, and I'm just fortunate. I, I love the fact that I'm her favorite person ever to live, um, and that's really good. And on Friday, we're all uh, in the living room of my house, the family there together, and uh, we're playing charades with one another. Um, and so they would give, you know, you draw something, a song, Christmas song, something like that, and then you have to act it out. Um, and in the midst of all of this, all of a sudden, um, I see Gigi get up, and she's got her walker, and she comes over, and she comes to one of the chairs, and she starts going down. And I don't know what to do at this time. She just starts going down, and she does this, and all of a sudden, I'm going to do this. She comes all the way and goes, boom, and I'm, I'm about to call 911, and all of a sudden, one of my kids yells, Grandma got ran over by a reindeer. I didn't know that we were still playing charades. It would have helped for somebody have told to tell me because I'm literally panicking. I'm like going, okay, they changed CPR. They just hit the chest. I don't know. And, and I'm thinking, what's going on? <laughs> True story. Oh, it was the best and worst moment of my life, all wrapped up into one. The woman just always surprises me. Because here she is, almost 99, and she's just fully participating. Um, by the way, some of you, as you get older, you, start you stop participating in your faith. May that never be true again. So sometimes people surprise you. And it's really shocking to think about because we begin to interact with someone. We think we know someone, and then we go, oh, that surprises me. And today, I think what I'm really hoping for is that you allow Jesus to surprise you in what you hear today. That as much as you think you already know about Jesus, as much as you think you know of the, the story of his birth and what God has done in his life, 
no matter how much you think you have in terms of knowledge, that Jesus would surprise you today. By stirring your heart, That's why we're looking at John chapter 1, the entire series, and it concludes today, right? Tomorrow we're jumping into Luke chapter 2 uh, with the birth of Jesus for the Christmas Eve services. Um, but as we conclude John chapter 1, looking at behold our God, right? Behold, He is the Word of God. He is the Creator. Last week, Pastor Jim was able to preach about painting Him with a greater brush in terms of His glory and then today we get to look at him as the Lamb of God. We get to look at what John is really communicating. I invite you to turn there with me. John chapter 1. It's the last of the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Right there. It's in the New Testament. New Testament is after about 400 years where um, they say that God was somewhat silent. And uh, it bridges so much of everything that God has done throughout humanity. So it's the gospels there, the gospel of John. It's also why some, John does an amazing job of speaking about who Jesus is. It's why if you've never read the Bible before, I often, people will often tell others to begin with the gospel of John to really learn about who he is and what he's done. So we're in John chapter 1. We're going to be able to look at this because we need to know who this baby really was. In terms of being the word creator, the glory of God, but also the lamb of God, we need to learn from even the testimony of John the Baptist. So here the beloved disciple John is writing, but it includes the testimony of John the Baptist. And we're going to be, we're going to be able to learn more about the significance of that because he says, John the Baptist, my testimony about Jesus does not come from what I know about him naturally. It comes from God. He says, God told me what to say about Jesus. And there's so much at stake in the processing this because God had been at work in Israel for 2,000 years, even before that. And all the while, he's been putting the pieces of the puzzle together to tell a great, great story. And also to paint a historical backdrop that, that in many ways would culminate in, in Jesus' life and in his ministry. That's what this is doing. And so what I like to do is I like us to read, beginning with John chapter 1, 29 through 34. John chapter 1, 29 through 34. And once again, I'm going to ask you to stand for the precious reading of the Word of God. The next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. It's the Word of God. You may be seated. In many ways, verse 29 of John chapter 1 is the high point. It's the highlight even of John's ministry and his testimony. 
Because here he is calling out, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He even repeats it later on, John chapter 1, verses 35 through 36, when he says, The next day again John was standing with two of his disciples. And it says, And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. It's amazing to think about because now you th- even the disciples of John are turning from John and now they are following Jesus, which is exactly why John had come to begin with. Calling out, behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He wants people to leave him and now to follow the Lamb. We see that in other places as well. We need to understand the significance of it. And uh, one of the passages you may want to write down and scribble over on your sheet of paper is Revelation 14.4. I want to read that for you. Revelation 14.4. Because it shows even more the significance of what's happening here. It says, It is these who have not defiled themselves with women, for they are virgins. It is these who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. These have been, these people, right, have been redeemed from mankind as first fruits for God and the Lamb. And in their mouth no lie was found, for they are blameless. For they are blameless. And so the emphasis in John's witness to Jesus falls on this designation, Behold the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. Everything he's doing, everything he's living for, falls and it rests on that. He also understands that all that Jesus was about to do would mean that he is even far more than a man. And he's so great that we're not even worthy to untie his sandals. And so we need to evaluate what it means truly. And for some of us, we need to be reminded of what it means for Jesus to be the Lamb of God. What that really looks like for us. Because we know that Jesus was more than just a baby. That's part of it. But he was more than a baby. He was the glory of God. He was the creator. He was the word. And he is also the lamb of God. And so one of the things that you see there in your notes is that we learned that for him to be the lamb of God, it was really about fulfillment. We know that Jesus Christ came to fulfill the law. He came to fulfill all that Christ or all that God had called him to. He is actually God in flesh. But here's one of the things I, I want you to think about when it, when it talks about fulfillment. Um, think about the things that Jesus did that connected him to even being the Lamb of God. Think about the burnt offerings that they would, that every day at 9 a.m. and 3 p.m., they would have burnt offerings. And those burnt offerings would come, crucified at 9, right, killed at 9. Um, and then they would do that again at 3. Well, it's the same time Jesus Christ was put on the cross at 9, and he died at 3 p.m. And so there he is as the burnt offering. Another thing to think about is the fact that um, in Bethlehem, that's where Jesus was born, right? In Bethlehem, this small little town, that's where all the lambs were raised to be slaughtered in Jerusalem for Passover and for other sacrifices. And you got to remember, Bethlehem is like Smallville, USA. It's like saying that, hey, I live in Grand Rapids, and somebody um, mentions to you. I remember when I first came here, there's a small town over here. I came from Beaverdam, Kentucky. I came here, and there's a Beaverdam, Michigan. Did you know this? It's not far from here. It's, it's six people all living together, and 
No, it's, it's cool. And, and so it's just a really small, it's like someone in Grand Rapids going, oh, I'm going over to Beaver Dam. They're going, where is that? And they may not be aware of it just because it's so small. Well, it would have been the same thing with Bethlehem. Here, it's, it's, it's probably literally five to seven miles away, which you've got to remember, no cars and trucks and everything, right? They're walking. And so they wouldn't have necessarily known about all this. And now they're hearing, hey, wait, yeah, we got to go get the lamb for the, for the slaughters, right, for the sacrifices over in Bethlehem. And now Jesus, the lamb of God, is being born there. Do you see how amazing it is that God sent his son, threw him into the world, and said, fulfill all of the law. Fulfill it all. And we see it over and over again. It's about fulfillment. And we see that numerous, numerous times. We even see it with the Passover lamb, right? Remembering, right, the Passover lambs, whenever that would take place, their blood would sit on the uh, doorpost to protect them from the angel of death. And we know now that the blood of Christ protects us from eternal death, and we now have eternal life through the name of Jesus Christ. Praise God, yes? So we see it over and over. So a lot of Jesus coming as the Lamb of God is about fulfillment. Another thing, though, that it's about, it's, about a, it's, it's more than just fulfillment. It's a continuation. So you see that as well. It's a fulfillment, but it's also a continuation. The birth of Jesus shows, shows God continually reaching out to the people. We know that the Israelites, they were redeemed out of Egypt through God using Moses. Moses was even called at one point, he was called the first redeemer, and then later on it tells us that another would come greater than him. Deuteronomy 18.18 points to that. It's another great passage if you want to write that one down. Deuteronomy 18.18, it says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command and so it's this continuation of a promise that God would send a Messiah. Another link that we always see between Passover and, and the Lamb of God and all the different connections is the life of Abraham. Uh, Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22, you have Abraham and Isaac, and now you also have Jesus Christ. But I want to share for you in Genesis chapter 22, verse 2. Um, a passage here that so connects with everything together. He says this, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I should tell you. Doesn't it remind you of John 3.16, Abraham offering his son Isaac, and that God is fulfilling his promise to, to, to bring one even greater when he says, For God to love the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should never perish, but have eternal life. There's so many different connections, and so that's why we want for you to be able to see a bigger picture of Jesus. To allow Jesus to even surprise you today, and even reminding you of why it's so powerful to think about God jumping into the world in human flesh. 
That's the big message. The big message for us is that the Lamb of God came to take our place for our sin so that we might have life. And that's where so many people, we fall short of understanding the glory of Christ and the glory of God because we fall short in understanding our need for someone to serve as a substitute, for someone to come and to take the place of our punishment that needs to be there because of our own brokenness and our own sin. I remember when I finally came to that place in my own life personally where I would just freely acknowledge I have sin, I am broken, I am a a flawed human being, but you know what? I had the love and the joy of Jesus Christ. And it's as though as soon as I started truly saying it out loud, I just felt freedom. And some of us probably need to come to that place. We don't ever want to even admit that we make a mistake, but guess what? Everybody in here is a sinner, yes? But if you believe in God, you have eternal life. Praise Him, yes? And sometimes I do think that we're almost handcuffed. We're chained to such a limiting thought, an unlimited idea of who Jesus is because we're not willing to acknowledge our own brokenness. We're not willing to acknowledge it. We're not willing to call it out and say, you know what? We're flawed. Even our thinking of the world is flawed because we still are ingrained within us. We want what we want rather than surrendering to what God has designed. And then we confuse the two of those and say, well, isn't this how God made? Well, no, God made you a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. So we process what it really means for him to be the Lamb of God who took our place, who served as a substitute for us because our true place would have been punishment and death. That's why it tells us Isaiah 53, 6-7. You'll see it here for you, but it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us. We have all gone astray. Every single one of us. And me knowing that is why I'm so Desperate to make sure other people know the freedom that is in Jesus. Because we've all gone astray. We have turned everyone to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. God put all of our iniquity, all of our wrong, all of our sin on his son for us. The Lamb of God. It says that he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And yes, that's exactly what it means. You find it in Revelation chapter 5 and throughout the book of Revelation and other places in Greek. The word here is not that, yeah, he just simply died. It's that he came and he was slaughtered. That's the original language. That's what he's communicating. That's what he's talking about. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before it cheers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. And it meant the entire world would benefit, not just the Jews. That all who profess faith in him truly believe in him. If you want to see a bigger picture of who Christ is, first acknowledge your own sin and then place your faith in him. Believe in him. Why? Because Jesus being the Lamb of God was all about 
salvation. It was all about salvation. That's why in Revelation 15, verse 3, he tells us, And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds. O Lord God, the Almighty, just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Jesus is so much more than a baby. Um, have it's it's interesting. Um, when you receive a gift, sometimes I receive something I'm really excited to get it. Other times I'm not quite as excited. And usually your enthusiasm when you receive a gift is, is based on whether or not um, you have a true desire or if it's really needed, right? Um, my father-in-law the other day gave me an amazing gift. I'd like to say thank you publicly. He gave me a new two-and-a-half-inch angled paintbrush. Looked around at my walls and said, you need to do better. Okay, the last part I made up. But he did give me a paintbrush. And I'm really pumped about it. I've been using the same paintbrush for probably about 15 years. And uh, if you wash them out well, they keep going. And uh, I was just excited to get a new paintbrush because I really need a paintbrush. And our enthusiasm for gifts really is determined by how much we need that gift and then how badly we know that we need that gift. My concern today is there's too few of us excited about Jesus because we actually don't think that we need Jesus. But you do. But you do. And so this is what I like us to do. I know we're in the hustle and the bustle of trying to buy gifts and Maybe some of you need to take off as soon as you can from today and make sure that you are getting to the stores to buy gifts, whatever that might look like. I don't know. But I want us just to sit. Get, give me 45 seconds, 60 seconds in silence. And I want you to truly think about, I want you to contemplate the need that you have for Jesus. Think about the need that you have for Jesus to be the Lamb of God. Because if he were not, you would have to pay the punishment rather than him. I know it's an unusual thing just to stop in the middle of a service and say, let's just sit in silence. But can we do that at this time and pray together? Let's pray.
some of us need to recognize our need for Jesus in order to allow Jesus to really surprise us. Because when you recognize your own sin, when you recognize your own brokenness, and yet Christ came to conquer that, it will overwhelm you. What we need to do is we need to ask ourselves if we truly believe in him. Knowing that he is more than a baby, it tells us in John 8, 24, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. The words of Jesus. And that belief is a tricky word because it's more than proclaiming and just saying that you believe in something. It's a belief. It's something that is deeply ingrained. In fact, it's so deeply ingrained, it'll determine how you handle tomorrow, Christmas Eve. It'll determine your response on Christmas Day. It'll determine your words that you speak to the people around you and what you're willing to do, the actions that you're willing to take. That's the significance of you, of all of it, because it will sit so deep within your soul. And so the question really comes down to this. What are you celebrating with your life at Christmas? We know that the Lamb of God took our place, but we need to ask ourselves, what are we actually celebrating? And if you're not celebrating Jesus, it's because you don't think you have a need for Jesus. If you're not celebrating Jesus, it's because you don't think that you have a need for Jesus. What does that celebration look like for you? And is it appropriate to the other gifts that you receive? I know that for me in my own life, I've received some gifts that I simply did not want. And other times, I received something that I really did want. I told you once before, the time that my mom, she was so excited, gave me the big box. I opened it up. I didn't know what it was going to be. and It was a box full of clothes hangers. They're really nice clothes hangers, but I really didn't care about clothes hangers, and so my enthusiasm was very limited. She could see the limited enthusiasm on my face, and I said, but I love you, Mom. Thank you that I won't have little indentions on my shirts anymore. Praise God. Our enthusiasm is often determined by what we think the value of that gift is. There is no greater gift than the Lamb of God. There is no greater gift. I just I want to shake people and say, don't you understand? We are broken, we are sinful, but we have salvation through Jesus Christ. That is worth declaring and proclaiming with every single breath that we have. His name is Jesus. He is more than a baby. Let us worship him. The story doesn't end with the Lamb of God. There's so much more. I want to read for you from the very conclusion of the same Jesus storybook Bible to remind us of what else is to come in the life that is to be had. It says, for anyone who says yes to Jesus, are you willing to say yes to Jesus? Are you willing to say yes to Jesus? For anyone who believes what Jesus said, do you believe what Jesus said? For anyone who will just reach out to take it, then God will give them this wonderful gift to be born into a whole new life. The old is gone, the new has come. 
to be who you were really actually made to be, who God has always wanted you to be. God's dear child. And our prayer is that you would recognize he is more than a baby. Because we get so lost in trying to live our life according to how someone else wants us to live our life, we forget that God made you to live a life so much greater because that life isn't about you. It's about the splendor of a king. And we're chasing our own tails, making sure we live according to how society wants us to live. But I'm telling you, God's ways, God's desires, God, he is thirsty for you to live completely and fully in him. Stop being so worried and so consumed with the world. Be absolutely consumed by Jesus Christ. He is more than a baby. He is more than a baby. He is more than a baby. He is my king. And I promise you, I will declare with every breath in my lungs, He is my Savior because He is more than a baby. Will you declare that He is the Lamb of God? God made in human flesh. He is more than a baby. He is more than a baby. He is the Redeemer of the world. Live like that and everything changes. Absolutely everything changes. Behold our God. Behold our God. May we worship Him.